Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to dominate your career, then you are in the right place. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And Monica Marquez, ex-Googler, diversity expert, and senior corporate leader. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Monica Marquez, your host for today's episode. Most people don't bother to update their resume until there's a pressing need for it. And when they do, they have no idea where to begin. Sound familiar? Well, if you're finding yourself in need of dusting off the old resume, no need to fear. Help is on the way. Meet my guest, Virginia Franco, a multi-certified executive resume and LinkedIn writer, coach, and storyteller whose documents have helped clients around the globe tell their stories and land interviews in record time. In this episode, Virginia shares her expertise and insights on the do's and don'ts in your next job search. Virginia founded Virginia Franco Resumes after recognizing her years of corporate communications, journalism, and healthcare social work offered her a unique understanding of how people read, communicate, and share information. She is one of less than 70 writers nationwide to hold the prestigious National Certified Resume Writer Certification from the National Resume Writers Association and holds several additional industry certifications. In January 2020, she launched Job Search Secret Weapon with three industry peers, offering job search support via do-it-yourself guides, kits, scripts, and templates for those who don't have the means to work with professionals one-on-one. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Virginia. Welcome, Virginia. Thank you so much for joining the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are so excited to have you here, especially given your area of expertise and your forte. You know so much that our listeners are going to learn from today. So without further ado, I want to kick off and tell us a little bit about your story and your journey and how you uh, landed where you are today. Yeah, so I have been, I'm an executive resume writer, um, and I have been writing resumes since the day I got out of college. I just had no idea back then that anyone did this for a living, so I did it for free, helping people out. (laughs) Um, And in 2008, when the financial crisis happened, I'm showing my age, I have have four children, they were very young at the time, and Mm you know, we had taken a big fat pay cut and I was struggling to figure out what in the world can I do that will um, help to pay the bills without killing me in childcare. Um, You know, I'd had, I'd pivoted, I'd had pre-kids and early kids. I had worked in corporate communications. I'd also done a a minor pivot into social work, but really 2008 was what um, made me, start writing and charging people for resumes. Um, Mm. And my business was born out of, not out of a big grand plan, but out of of emergency needs. So that's fantastic. Well, you know, as many people say sometimes, you know, and even if we're seeing now in this pandemic, right? right, Crisis creates opportunity. Crisis creates opportunity. That's right. Absolutely. Um, 
Absolutely. And and what I discovered is though, even, you know, when I look back on my career now, um, I'm 52 now, mm-hmm. um, you know, my career was certainly nonlinear, but there were lots of common threads and it's okay. You know, having a long-term strategy is wonderful, but it's also okay to have some short-term plans that work for your life at the moment. And you just need to be open to pivoting as things come along. Mm-hmm. And so that was a real, cause I, you know, I didn't, unlike a lot of entrepreneurs, I didn't set up saying, I want to own my own business. It just sort of evolved and I went with it with short-term strategies. That's fantastic. So, you know, that was a bit, that was a bit of a shift for you, right? Because you were in the corporate space, you were Mm -hmm. kind of used to working in the kind of with the boundaries that, um, you know, a corporation kind of places on you. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I'm sure in terms of that transition of transitioning from kind of being in a corporate role to kind of your own entrepreneurial role, being your own boss. um, How did you, were there any fears, limiting beliefs? Like how did you overcome those things? So absolutely. I actually was even, for me, it was a little even further challenging because I went from three to four, two to four kids and I had taken some time to just deal with diapers. And so then I was dealing with the limiting beliefs of how, how, how can I go back? What, what's the best way to do that? I've been out for a little bit. What should I do? You know, a lot of those things that a lot of women face. Yes. Um, so in terms of, uh, limiting beliefs, I started by, I started small. Um, I began by subcontracting for people that had been doing this longer than me. Mm. Um, Some of them were younger than me, which was a little bit of a blow to the ego before I had gone from managing those people. But you know what, for me, it was a win because I really, this kind of work allowed me to be at home and be flexible and not pay for childcare. And I just kept that goal in the back of my mind that 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 was the ultimate ultimate thing for me um, and started gaining credibility, gaining, uh, getting a reputation um, and did that for several years before I actually said, okay, I'm going to do this completely independently without subcontracting for anyone else. Mm. And tell me a little bit about, like you said, it was so important to kind of build your brand, build that mm-hmm. credibility. What was the key to building your personal brand and your reputation and, and being able to kind of package that story to get people to trust you and, and you know, come to you? So that's a great question. When I, um, so the first thing I did when I said I'm really going to go out on my own is I invested in a really strong website. I felt like that presence was so important. But then secondly, I drew on what I was good at. I was really good at writing. So I actually approached several publications that I believed could benefit from career advice, job search, resumes, all of that. Um, And I said, hey, can I write a few articles a month for you free of charge, but give me the byline? I approached the editors um, of these publications on LinkedIn and, you know, I sent out quite a few, but, and I didn't get responses from every, but I got responses from a couple and that led to me starting to publish in that space. I was able to take those articles and, um, you know, share them on my own social media, my own blog. um, And slowly but surely that built my credibility. It built my confidence and, and people started to find me. Wow, that's fantastic. And I think that's the important thing is that you said you started, you started in a sense where you um, took, you were proactive about that, right? And you started 
and you said there were a couple and it kind of builds from there. But I love how you said that compounding effect of it started building your confidence as you started posting. It really did. Yeah. And I mean, look, I wasn't targeting the Wall Street Journal and Inc. Magazine. I, I sort of aimed a little lower at some publications that were looking to grow and mm-hmm. um, looking to grow their presence. And they're all about free free labor. So I was happy to give it. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about you. You were able to kind of hone in and get clarity around, you know, your, your strengths and, um, and your purpose, but what were some of the key things? And I'm sure when you're working with your clients, right, when they're thinking about their resume and they're really needing to kind of tell that story of, you know, what, what are their strengths and their, you know, what are their competencies that they're good at and putting it in a story? Because I love how you say, you're not just a resume writer, you're a storyteller and you tell Mm -hmm. a story within this resume. What are some of the key things that you you start with a client and really helping them clarify what it is that they're trying, the story they're trying to tell. So when people are clear on what they want to do next, they know that this is the role or the industry that they want to target. Then part of my process is to really, I do a in-depth interview where we talk about their career literally from beginning way, however long ago it was to whatever they're doing now. And with each of the roles, I always want to understand what brought them to the role. You know, what, what was a problem that that role was trying to solve? Um, but then I always, we always do a reflection and say, at the end of the day, when you walked away, or, or in this current role, as you're preparing to walk away, mm-hmm. where do you feel like you left your mark? What, what are you proudest of? And nine times out of 10, that information is what gives me clarity on someone's strengths, um, and their purpose, and it aligns with what they want to do next. It's mm-hmm. so fascinating to see it happens over and over yeah. again. But just that, you know, that, that those simple questions can really be very revealing. Mm-hmm. Um, when people aren't clear on what they want to do next, and that happens a lot, especially during these times of crises where people say, I, I need to make a change, just know what I don't want to do, but I don't know what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I feel like it's very important to really understand, you know, what you're good at, based on what you know about yourself and what other people have told you you're good at, um, what, what you like to do, and then what, what the market is bearing. Because if you're really, really good at, I don't know, churning butter, and that, that might not be a skill that the market's going to pay you for. So you have to sort of come up with that intersection of what you're good at, what you like to do, and what the market will pay for. Um, my colleague, Kristen Sherry, she is the creator of UMAP, which is mm-hmm. one of the best assessment tools for helping you to get, get some clarity around that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's also really important to know what your deal breakers are, right, for your next steps. Right. Um, exactly. Most, yeah, um, I've yet to find anyone who's been able to make a change without some sort of a sacrifice. So you need to be really clear on what you're willing to do and what you're willing to maybe give up to pursue the next step in your career. Um, for my own experience, I was clear on, I was not going to pay for childcare. That was just my own personal decision. So I was willing to make other kinds of sacrifices, Mm -hmm. um, accordingly. So that, that deal breaker isn't for everyone, but everyone, everyone has that. 
And that's, I want to dig into that a little bit more because mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a, you know, it's their techniques, right? That you probably work, walk them through in terms of making that difficult decision, right? And taking mm-hmm. that risk. Um, and I would say on both fronts, right? D- you know, making a decision and deciding what path they're going to go down. But the other mm-hmm. is maybe you get in a situation where they have multiple job offers. And so, you know, how do you, how do they kind of weigh those difficult decisions of which role is the best fit for them? What are some maybe techniques that you use? to help people come to their own decision? So, number one, having that clear sense of what is an absolute deal breaker. So, mm-hmm. if you cannot make less than a certain amount, that's going to be a deal breaker. If you, if we ever get let out of our house and you say, I can only drive up to 60 minutes a day, then that's a deal breaker. So, um, I... A very good friend of mine who went to uh, the Darden School of Business in, at University of Virginia taught me a strategy for weighing pros and cons. But what you do is you, it removes the emotion from the decision making, making. Mm-hmm. So you come up with your list of criteria and you weight them. This is the most important. This is the second most. This is least important. Um, and then you, you evaluate the role and you with the weighted, knowing the weights of each one, you identify the pros and cons. And usually that formula gives you your answer. Um, mm-hmm. And I love it because it, it does remove the, the uh, emotion from it. And it's something that my husband and I have used when we can't agree on something on big right. decisions. Um, so super helpful. That's fantastic. And so, you know, given your, you know, just subject matter expertise and working with a lot of different, you know, be it executives, be it, you know, just, um, you know, senior seasoned professionals, and really thinking about telling their story, what is the biggest mistake that you see or the, you know, that lots of individuals do with their resume that is probably, you know, kind of getting them over, you know, overlooked or just past um, when recruiters are looking at resumes? Sure. So I'll talk about resume and then I'll also talk about job search. Um, Mm -hmm. With resume, I find that many people do not lead off with information that tells the reader why why you are a perfect fit for the Mm -hmm. role. Um, I always, I go back to my journalism roots, people read resumes the same way you and I read the news. Think about how we're learning what's going on in the world right now. Whether you open up Twitter or a news site, you look at a headline. If the headline grabs you, you read that first paragraph. And usually that's it. Mm -hmm. You need those same components in your resume because those components tell you what the story is going to be about and tell you what you want to come back to read later on when you have more time. So you need a headline that says, I'm an astronaut, I'm a chef, I'm a financial services manager. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, if, and then the paragraph that follow needs to include information that says, this is why I'm the perfect fit. And how I craft that is I will identify um, points in the job description that are the, clear, the points that the people are clearly asking for. Mm-hmm. And then the details about their career. So I don't describe them with a bunch of adjectives. I don't say that they're, you know, results driven, innovative, all that kind of stuff. I use details. Um, when it comes to job search, I think the biggest mistake that people make is they try to go about landing their next role by simply applying online to lots and lots of opportunities. Um, the process of applying online has gotten so inundated that it's really mm-hmm. a poor return on your investment. You have to apply to like a hundred jobs to get three responses now, which is miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, so many roles. What happens is by the time the posting has come out, 
networking and recruiter outreach has been happening sort of behind the scenes. So by the time mm-hmm. the proceeds come out, there's already a pipeline of people in place. So right. you are better off tar- figuring out companies that you want to target, people that you know, or people that you want to get to, that you need to know in those companies mm-hmm. and start conversations to find out about opportunities beforehand. So ideally the recruiter or the, the person will call you and say, hey, the posting's coming out, go apply now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got a person on the other end that's looking out for your resume. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is, I mean, absolutely true. I mean, research shows, and then personally, from personal experience, I used to be head of diversity recruiting at um, a large financial firm. And okay. I was always amazed at that, you know, 70 to near north of 80% of our, you know, jobs roles really got filled through referrals. Um, it, you know, it's the, true. It's yeah. so true because people people want to hire someone that they trust and people have trust. People get that trust by by a personal recommendation. Mm-hmm. So it so really works. In, in really, you know, that's an important factor of you kind of helping your clients leverage their community and mm-hmm. really tap into their relationships. Um, what do you do or how do you coach someone as they, you know, individuals who, and this happens a lot with the women we work with, where they don't, um, there's a bit of a resistance or hesitancy, I should say, of really leveraging or asking help from their community. What do you, what, what, what's your advice to that? So yeah, people, it, 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 it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people. So what I would say is you're not necessarily asking for a job. You are, I I don't remember who taught me this, but it's about reframing what you're doing. You are seeing if there's an opportunity to help someone mm-hmm. or a company by using your skills. Um, the other thing I would say is a lot of times these conversations are not about, hey, do you know about an opening? It's, can you tell me how you broke into this market? Can you tell me how you may, were able to move from Chicago to New York? Um, can you tell me what it is about this role that you really like? And so you're really gathering information Mm-hmm. Um, and while you're doing that, you are cementing an already existing relationship or perhaps building a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, and those relationships are what make you more likely to be top of mind when someone is looking, when they have a need and they need someone to help you to help fill it. Yeah. So, I mean, and I've learned that, you know, when you do ask for advice, um, you know, people are always more than willing to help uh, opposed to sometimes, you know, you you don't, it's more of an open-ended question, right? When you're asking for advice opposed to, mm-hmm. hey, do you know of any jobs? The answer is yes or no. <laughs> so. Right. Exactly. Open-ended. And people really do love, not everyone, but there are more people that love to get to share advice mm-hmm. than to um, much more likely to do that. Um, and and so that, and what I always say also is you don't need, you, if you reach out to 10 people, you don't need 10 people to help you. But mm-hmm. even if you get two people, that's great because then you can ask those two people for three other names and sort of carry it on that way. Mm. You just need a little, little bit of a response. Right, exactly. So given this current kind of uh, environment that we're in, right, Mm -hmm. the pandemic has led to, you know, lots of companies, um, you know, furloughing or letting go of individuals. Mm -hmm. Now you have this, you know, and then now we're starting to kind of see some reopening, lots of rehiring, but 
there's lots of competition out there now. How do you mm-hmm. help your clients differentiate themselves from everyone else? Because personally, I remember as a recruiter, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, we don't spend a lot of time on resumes. And like you said, right. it's headlines. It's a, that really it's a, yeah, it's a scan. Exactly. So um, how do you help your individuals, um, your clients differentiate themselves to get in that yes pile? So the first thing I do is I make sure that the resume has that headline in that paragraph. Um, I work very hard to make the document easily digestible, easily skimmable, whether the person's looking at it on a mobile device, a big screen, or in print. And you do that um, just through some formatting techniques that work well with skim online reading. Um, I always make a point, make it a point to avoid dense text. Um, so no five line paragraphs, no death by bullets, seven bullets all crammed together. Um, you know, using white space uh, and keeping your bullets short and sweet really does ease the eye and make it easier for your um wording to pop out on paper. And then I really try to focus on the results um, rather than a laundry list of what someone does day in and day out in their role. Mm-hmm. I want to show how those responsibilities led to results because when people see what you've accomplished nine times out of 10, they'll say, well, that's what I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the, the weaving in those details that are unique to you, especially at the beginning in my experience help help you help the reader to retain some information that differentiates you from sort of a sea of others that are describing themselves with adjectives that have become, you know, they've lost their value because they're so overused. Um, so those, those are the main things I do with regards to the resume. That's fantastic. And now do you get, so I, we get this question all the time or I get the question mm-hmm. just cause I used to be a recruiter, but um, you know, like you said, it's almost kind of it's almost kind of less is more, and you get those individuals who come and they have like this four page resume, yeah. and then they then try to shrink the font to like eight. Points. Yeah, half inch more. Yeah. <laughs> so what it's is your teeny, advice teeny, to that? Tiny. Yeah. What is your- um, yeah? So there's no hard fast rules in my mind with resume length, but um, when you have a four page resume, um, you run the risk of losing someone that's a, you know, a super skim reader and I'll go, oh, that's too long. I don't have time for that. Um, And when you shrink it down, the person will, um, can't read it. Mm -hmm. They can't read it. it, it, Then they're not going, it's too hard to read and someone's in a rush. They're not going to read it. So my advice is see what you can do to pare it down, select the roles that are relevant to what you're targeting, focus on the last you know, your recent experience, last 15 years. If you have earlier stuff that is really, really relevant to what you want to tell next, you don't need to devote, you don't need eight bullets to talk about what you did in 2001. You can highlight what you did with a quick, quick one or two lines. It gives some highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, be smart about the font that you pick. There's less room than others. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Um, I mean, I guess those are the main things that I would say to do. Um, I, it's funny because every studies that I've read say people people say they want a one-page resume, but then when you look back at who they hired, yeah. something like 90% were two-pagers. So two-page is a good rule of thumb unless you're a newbie. Um, you know, if you have less than five years, um, there's a good chance right. you can keep it to one page. So. Do you want to grow your impact as a change agent who ignites transformation in others, but you don't have a proven step-by-step method? Do you want to grow your visibility and influence as a thought leader to inspire others, but you don't know where to begin? 
The Beyond Barriers High Performance Executive Coach Certification is designed for experienced leaders who want to grow their impact and influence. Join this exclusive community of high achievers, advance your career as a leader, and experience the joy of helping others grow. Go to imbeyondbarriers.com and register for the webinar to learn more. And talking a little bit about, and we, I get this a lot, where you have individuals who transition or want to switch industries or mm-hmm. switch roles completely. How do you help people really hone in on the transferable skills and how do you package that? So in terms of ident- identifying transferable skills, job postings are a goldmine for that. Mm-hmm. Um, look at the bottom third of the resume and look at the, the qualifications, the, those mm-hmm. required qualifications. If you meet 70 to 80%, I would say it is a role that is applicable. Um, what I do when I'm writing the document is I will when someone's trying to particularly make an industry switch is I will remove industry references wherever Mm. I can um, because I don't want to position them as an industry expert. I want to position them as a um, someone with, with, you know, really strong skills that are applicable. Mm, Right. Um, I include a skill section below after that lead paragraph I was talking about that lists those skills that I have that, that that person has that align with what the person needs. Um, The other thing I found is again, focusing on the results Mm-hmm. what at the end of the day, what you're proudest of, that often is you're solving pain points that are common to lots of different companies. Um, lots of different industries need help with improving processes, saving money, growing, you know, building customers. Um, but I will say that making a career pivot requires more legwork. Applying online is not going to be your friend. Um, as hard as it is, as it is when it is, a perf- when it is a perfect fit, it's even harder for job searchers, uh, career changers, because when you're applying online, the person with the right keywords wins. And if you haven't worked in healthcare and you want to pivot to healthcare, there's no way I can put healthcare all over your resume because it doesn't, it's right. being dishonest. Mm-hmm. Um, so you won't do well. So what you need to do is really have more of those conversations, try to make the case that you that this is a logical next step and that you're worth taking a risk on. Um, people are willing to take risks in a way that, you know, applicant tracking software systems mm-hmm. are not. So, right. No, and that's a really extreme, I mean, that's an important point that you're talking about in terms of really leveraging your network in that sense and right. that yeah, people will take, you know, will give you the stretch opportunity because they have gotten to know you opposed to, you know, the, the just the systemic bias of some of these tools that are. That's right. That's work. right. When I was looking to make a pivot into resume writing, I mean, I didn't have any professional resume writing experience, but I remember when I um, called the owners of some companies when I was trying. And I said, look, I, I have written these. Here's what I've worked, but here are some principles of, of journalism that I understand fundamentally. Mm-hmm. And, and that spoke, you know, that resonated with them. They saw that my skills were transferable and they started me in a more junior role, which was fine. I worked my, I was able right. to scale up the ladder really quickly because I did have the skills. I just needed to learn the, the tweaks mm-hmm. I needed to make for this industry. Um, and that's another thing I'll say about career people that make career pivots, sometimes they do have to take a little bit of a step down. If, if that's not a deal breaker for you, mm-hmm. then that's some, uh, what, something that you can do. And you do tend to jump up the ladder more quickly right. um, than you might have otherwise. Because you, you have years of experience. You just 
It'll come through. You, learn the industry. you need to learn the, the nuances of that particular industry. Interesting. Now, you made an interesting point when you said these people who are making pivots and they're, you know, job switchers per se, mm-hmm. and you look and you, you do this qualification, if there's 70 to 80%, you know, there, then you're like, okay, this, this is something that we can work with. Um, I think that's so important because we find and research shows that women a lot of the times will opt out because yes, and men don't. They're like, I could, I could do that. I've got exactly. enough, and women do not. Yeah. So how do you coach the women when you're saying, okay, let's look at this job rec. You you match it seventy or so percent, but they're hesitant to say, oh no no no, this is not for me. What do you do in those situations? Um, well, I show them the math that shows uh-huh. that women women tend to shy away from that when men don't. Uh-huh. And seeing that men land often is um, incentive for women. Um, I I've often feel like some job postings are unicorn job postings. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. ideal candidate, but sometimes mm-hmm. the ideal candidate doesn't exist. Or when they get to meet the per- person, meet the candidate in person, some of those ideal qualifications mm-hmm. go by the wayside because they weren't deal breakers. Right. Um, and so that's where I said, that's the power of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't, you don't need to apply for this job right now. What you need to do is to have conversations about that job mm-hmm. and about how people got into those roles. And mm-hmm. um, those, especially when you talk to people that if you, if you, I encourage my candidates to talk to people that made a pivot into this role, maybe from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn is a great CRM to help you figure out where those people came from and, and try to have, when you have those conversations, it, I found that the advice that people give, it, it helps to give women the confidence they need to go for it as well. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. And what is your advice on, you know, sometimes uh, people will come and say, do I need to go back to school? Do I need to get mm-hmm. additional certifications? Right. What's your advice on, on that? So it depends. Um, mm-hmm. If the, if you look at seven job postings related to a role that you're targeting and they all say you that, that must have qualifications this versus sometimes you'll see a lot of times you'll see job postings. Well, let's say these are must haves and these are nice to haves. Like, you know, if you're a doctor, you have to have an MD degree, right? Right. Right. You have a license, right? Um, uh, and, the, and that's where those conversations come into place where if, if mm-hmm. the people you talk to say this degree, this certification was essential, then you might need to have it. Um, but I would never plunk down any significant cash mm-hmm. or time investment without knowing that's really going to make a difference. Um, okay. you know, taking two years for an MBA program is a really big investment. Um, so you better make sure that it's going to be worth your while. That's actually really smart. And I think, like you said, having the conversations and finding out what are must-haves mm-hmm. and what are nice-to-haves is extremely important because people do go down that wormhole of like, oh, just let me go get all the certifications possible. But, you know, then they get it and they don't really have the experience. So they're kind of still stuck. Kind of. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Or then they find out that they don't really like that. They, it's not a role that they were interested in anyway. So make sure mm-hmm. it's something you want to do. Make sure that it's a, it's a education that you need that will really, really help you. And sometimes it is. So, And tell me a little bit about or tell, help our audience understand how important now is kind of their, um, I would say, digital profile uh, and beyond just their, you know, their resume. It's super important. Um, you're having social proof is, is vital because people are looking. Um, if they, if you get in touch with someone 
through email and then you send them the resume, the first thing they're going to do is look you up online. Mm -hmm. um, and so it behooves you to have something online that shows that you know what you say you know um, mm -hmm. and you can do what you say you can do. Uh, I always say when pe some people just, they really don't like social media, which is fine. Um, but if you, I would say at least pick one um, where your people are going to be. So mm -hmm. LinkedIn is a is one that is really great for a majority of careers. Right. Um, so have and and you'll that'll show up on at the top of searches for your name. Right. Um, but if your if your people are on Instagram, then you might need to be on Instagram. Um, so think about where your ideal where the customers and the clients of the, the companies that you're targeting might be. Um, and or, so, yeah, think about where the people are going to be that are going to look for you and make sure that your presence is really strong on there. Mm. And I wanted to touch a little bit about just, you know, because what you're saying is extremely important, and I know that you have a deep subject matter expertise in LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you have some coveted kind of uh, certifications or titles that aren't necessarily, you know, people in your, in your industry uh, very few have. Um, share a little bit about, you know, what you, what you see, um, you know, LinkedIn, I really do feel is kind of like the place to be for anybody in, in their career, kind of creating their brand and their reputation. Yeah. What, it, what it, you know, what are some of your insights on LinkedIn and where it's going and how important it is for people, even after they get their job to kind of maintain their presence? So yeah, LinkedIn is the world's greatest CRM. Um, it is, it has, again, I'm going to show my age, but it is, it has replaced the Rolodex in terms of the place where you go to get conversations started. Um, and, and it allows you to do research, um, find people that you want to talk to, companies that you want to talk to. Um, and it's also a place where people are searching for talent like you. So it's, to me, it's just, it's the perfect multi-purpose tool for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been on the platform a long time. It started as a place where you could, if you were on it, you were pretty cutting edge and that was super cool. Um, and then it evolved into a place where you could just really slap a copy, a cut and paste of your resume and that worked. Mm -hmm. um, now it has evolved into a platform that when used to its fullest, you can use to engage with others. Again, find people, be found, cement your, your, your professional brand. Mm -hmm. um, if when you you know definitely use it when you are job hunting, but I absolutely recommend you maintain a presence when you're not. Um, you don't need to you know go as hard at it, but spend ten to twenty minutes a day on the platform, um, mm -hmm. scrolling through your feed, providing comments, keeping up with the news there, um, because you know sort of the adage you don't want to um, dig your well the minute you need to drink, you want to have it done before. Mm -hmm. Maintaining that network is really, really powerful for when you need it. Um, and you can also help return the favor, right? Pay it forward. People, people reach out to me all the time that are looking to break into this industry. Um, mm -hmm. I use LinkedIn to help me grow mine and I'm happy to return the favor. Um, so it is, it's, I really can't say enough about, about the platform and its potential. 
No, because I think it's so important. I find, you know, especially I would say, you know, mid-career women or women who are, you know, a bit more senior seasoned, they have a profile on LinkedIn, but they, it's, it's, you know, they don't really ever go check in. They don't do anything. And yeah. It's situations like this that actually I think was the eye opener for them of that now all of a sudden they're needing to microwave their profile. That's right. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> it's, you know, and it's a difficult thing to do where, you know, now maintaining it and staying engaged would make, you know, a whole, make, make it a lot easier. And you don't, it doesn't need to take hours. Like I said, it could be 10 minutes in the morning, um, go through your feed, check in on some um people that are maybe influencers in your field or colleagues of yours, read the quick news headlights and then maybe do the same thing in the evening. Mm. And that, I, you know, I, I take six weeks off every summer where I work on personal development um, and I don't post a, any new content on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I just spend time commenting on the posts of others, mm-hmm. um, ones that I'm tagged on and ones that I'm not. And I've sort of tracked what I've done for the last few summers. I have grown my followers, you know, by a couple thousand mm-hmm. just by commenting. And I get five to 10 solid LinkedIn invitation requests mm-hmm. every single day just by commenting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's super engagement. easy. That yeah, that engagement. Yep. Yep. In promoting, putting your own content on is ideal, but I get that not everyone is ready to do that um, mm-hmm. or has the time to do that. Um, so that's what you sort of want to work up to, but start out with the commenting. And when you don't have, when you are in maintenance mode, that's a great way to, mm-hmm. to keep up your engage, keep up your network. And, you know, as we close thinking about, you know, women and the digital age and really thinking about, you know, just being successful and maintaining their, you know, their skills uh, current, what do you, what, what is your advice in terms of, you know, what are you seeing, especially too, in looking at the job descriptions that more and more companies are looking for that women need to make sure that they stay ahead of the curve? Um. I would say that it's really important um, to see what people are doing, what what leaders in your field are doing. Are they, mm-hmm. or you know, people that you aspire to be from a digital perspective or on social media? Are they blogging? Are they sharing videos? Are they mm-hmm. commenting? Um, and make sure that you're doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I would say is that really consistent communication is key, um, mm-hmm. and always try to be be provide value with what how you're engaging you know don't just say nice job or i agree add some insight add some nuance um Mm -hmm. and that um and that will that will help that'll cement your presence um the other thing it will do is from an algorithm perspective just going for getting back to linkedin Mm -hmm. um linkedin factors in your activity level in its algorithm and so when you are active on the platform, it likes that. Look, it wants you. <laughs> they want you on there. Um, you will pop up on more searches by doing that. Oh. Um, so I don't know. I'm not sure if that clearly answers your question, but if no, not, we can. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, I think what you make is a really good point too. I don't think people realize that, um, LinkedIn does take into consideration your overall engagement in terms of being active. So even if a recruiter is out there searching for people, you're, you know, if you are being engaged and you are kind of providing insights and things, you will come up 
on, uh, you know, the top of the list opposed to you yeah. know, thousands of people. Down in the bottle. That's right. Exactly. That's interesting. Um, no, and I think that's something that people don't realize. And I think it goes back to the point earlier when we were saying you can't necessarily microwave your profile. If all of a sudden, you know, you're, you find yourself in the job market um, and you haven't been active on LinkedIn, you've got some work to do to kind of get yourself, you know, I guess up in that, uh-huh. it, up in this, you know, so the system can recognize you, the algorithm. That's right. That's right. That's fantastic. Well, you know, thank you so much, Virginia, for all of your key points. And I know that you um, are, you yourself, you know, are always on LinkedIn. And I am. <laughs> are probably going to want to follow you to get some mm-hmm. more of these wonderful insights. Can you share a little bit more about how our, you know, listeners can get in touch with you, can, you know, follow you and learn more on how they can, um, you know, put themselves, you know, their best foot forward in, in their job search? Absolutely. So I, um, I actually am um, the founder of two companies. I have my own business um, where I work one-on-one with job seekers. And mm-hmm. you can find me on my website, Virginia Franco Resumes, and on LinkedIn. Um, but I also gathered forces with three other uh, career experts, all women. And we, um, we wanted to offer job search support to people that you know, might not have the resources to work one-on-one. Um, so we, it's called Job Search Secret Weapon, and there's a LinkedIn site for that, website, all the socials for that, um, and it offers scripts and templates and worksheets um, to help people manage their job search, again, without, without investing, with, without breaking the bank. That's fantastic. And I love that it's, you know, all women owned and that mm-hmm. you are basically democratizing the uh, the coaching, the job search kind of coaching for women and making it more accessible. So more power to you. And uh, you. we will certainly include all of the links uh, for our listeners to be able to find you in this podcast. Again, thank you so much for your time. I know that you are super busy and you are always in demand. So thank you for uh, giving us your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all resources for each show, including the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.